This is Angie Meadows with The Rocker Recovery. And this is Will. Today we're continuing with the study of John. I want you to learn your Bibles. I want them to become your best friends. And um, one time I was at a recovery church, and it was Sunday afternoon. And I was having a hard time. You know, I'd left my loved one in the street, and I was just broken. And and knowing that death was imminent without God really uh, just swooping in and making a difference immediately. And so I just grabbed this girl, <laughs> and, and the tears were on like uh, like somebody turned on a water faucet. But they weren't tears of grief. They were tears of intercession. And so there's there's intercessory tears, and there's grieving, sorrowful, despair tears. And so it's wonderful when you can move your grieving into intercession because now things are going to part. Things are going to change. And uh, this girl called me, uh, messaged me, found me on Facebook for two years, and she said, from the moment you grabbed me, the Word of God came alive in my heart. I slept with my Bible. I ate my Bible. I carried it around. I tried to read it all my life, and it made no sense. And today, it makes sense, and I, I'm so hungry for it. And everything that I read is feeding my spirit, burning in my heart. And then she just kept telling me, now I got away from the toxic relationship. I got my son back. I got a job. I got some more at training. I got some. I got into a good church. I got into some good recovery groups. And then she ended up uh, getting married again to uh, uh, a very wonderful, uh, godly man. And she just for two years just kept saying, "I'm doing well." From the moment you laid hands on me, I'm doing well. And it wasn't my hands; it was God moving through me through the tears of intercession. So it was God birthing her through the prayers of others, through her surrender, through her preparedness to receive. And so sometimes, Will, when things are sorrowful and when they're bad and when they're at the end of your rope, you know, if you're at the end of your rope, why not try the Lord? Why not say, okay, Lord, I'm here. If you don't fix this, it ain't never going to get fixed. There's something about that surrender where you're just yielding to God and asking Him to come through for you. So the theme of this chapter is... Born again. And that girl that day was... (laughs) Born again. She was born again, and she described it to me over several years. Hmm. So when we get born again, now it says in John 3, 3, that we can see the kingdom of God. It said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there is a spiritual eye that's going to give you sight into where your unbelief is right now and flip you right straight into total believing and experiencing that kingdom of God um, as you become born again. So if you have not become born again, I want you to talk to the Lord about that. I want that to be a prayer concern. Lord, I think I'm saved. I may not be saved. I don't hunger and thirst for your word the way I should. I don't feel the kingdom of your peace and your joy like I should. So if there's something here you want me to have, and obviously there is, um, would you give it to me? Would you show it to me? Would you show me the path? So in John 3, 1, there was a man that comes to Jesus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Yes, so who was Nicodemus? He was a a ruler of the Jews. Yeah, he was a Pharisee. He was was one of the rulers. Uh, What did Nicodemus say to Jesus? The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher 
come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Okay, so he's telling him what the other leaders are saying. We we know you're from God because you know you do too many miracles. Uh, now the word rabbi means teacher. Uh, it's a teacher of the Jewish law. And so he's calling him rabbi, which could also be interpreted as master. So it was a very honorable word that he was calling Jesus. So there was a, a, a hunger for Jesus, for Jesus in Nicodemus, but he came. By night. Yeah, so he came in dark. He was uh, probably not wanting to get found out because he was maybe afraid that people would persecute him. So let's look at John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, there it is. I must be born again to walk into God's joy and his peace, to be clothed in his righteousness. I must be born again. And so I want to be able to come to Jesus and say, how, how does that happen? Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? So he didn't understand. So he was, when you don't understand something, it's okay. You could be a great teacher. You could be a great master, a teacher of the law. You could have uh, learned everything in the books the way you're supposed to and look really good in society. But if you just don't understand, go to Jesus. Just, just humble yourself and go to him and say, Lord, this isn't working for me. So obviously I ain't found it. <laughs> and as you get there and as you just talk to the Lord, he's going to open your eyes. He's going to open those spiritual eyes. So John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay. So we've talked about uh, being born of the Spirit before and how um, the law of the Spirit of life and liberty overcomes the law of sin and death. So there's a birthing that has to be done where my spirit comes alive. Now, Will, I think in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve, I think when it said, and they will surely die when they eat of that, they did die. But it was their, it was their spirit that died. So there's a rebirth, a renewing of this spirit um, that needs to come where I am alive again inside, where I feel alive, where I feel like I can command my, wor my world with the Holy Spirit. I can um, say to myself, we're going to forgive. We're going to turn around. We're going to, and I can do it. But I can't do that if I don't have the power of His Spirit with me. So in Galatians 5 19 through 22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And we have fruit of the Spirit studies on the podcast too the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the faithfulness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self control. I don't think people teach how to have those things. So what I did with the fruit of the Spirit is I looked up a lot of verses on each one of those things. How do I love? What does love look like? What does it look like to have like a fake love? What does God hate? What am I supposed to hate? So that I would know that there's a, uh, like I really think, well, that when it talks about and God hates, I think what it's meaning, our modern word is I need boundaries against that. If God hates that arrogance, if he hates this, if he hates that, then I need my boundaries there so I don't let those things in my life. And so there is a birth here that needs to happen. So let's look at John 3, 6. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Hmm. So he that walks in the spirit shall not know any condemnation. So I want to, in Galatians, it talks about walking in the flesh and being condemned and walking in the spirit and having no guilt and no shame and no condemnation. So there's um, a separating of myself where when my flesh gets on top and my flesh starts telling me what to do, the spirit's quenched. So what I want to be able to do is feed the Holy, feed the Spirit so much, lift up the Holy Spirit in my life and fellowship with Him so that I am so close to Him that He can govern my life. And I can govern my life through the Word of God, through obedience. And I know that some people think that's a dirty word, that obedience, but that obedience to the Spirit of the Lord leads to great freedom and great satisfaction in your life. It leads to your spirit coming alive. Now let's look at John 3, 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Yeah, so what's he saying? You gotta be. Born again. There you go. This is the theme all the way through here. Nicodemus, you gotta be born again. You can't do this in the flesh. You gotta have my spirit to do this. So who? So the next verse, he's describing what it would look like to be born again. The wind bloweth where it... Wants to? Yeah. Listen, listen, yeah, yeah, listen, <laughs> and thou heareth the sound, therefore, or thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Hmm. So, just like I can see the wind, I can see where the wind blows, I can see it move the leaves, I can see it move the grass, I can see it bend trees, I can see it, I can feel it on my face. You're going to hear and feel and see the Holy Spirit, but you're going to see it just like the wind. You're going to see its movement. You're going to see where it's been. So, John 3, 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Ah, so did he understand? <laughs> no, he didn't understand, did he? He's like, now I'm still a little puzzled. So he, mm -hmm. goes, he goes and Jesus answers him in John three ten. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? So Jesus saying, how can you not know these things? You're a master. Um, how can you not understand salvation when you're a teacher of the law? So they hadn't put these things together yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't come and illuminated them. So let's look at John 3.11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Huh. So was Nicodemus able to understand and receive what Jesus was saying? No, not at this time. No, he was like, I just don't understand. I'm a little confused. So what does it take to understand these heavenly things in John three twelve? If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not... How shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Hmm. So there it is again, that belief. There it is, that belief. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to believe, Lord. And, and well, I think the, the greatest sin of the Israelites that stuck them in that wilderness between uh, the bondage of slavery in Egypt and the promises of God and the land of Canaan and the land of milk and Honey was their unbelief. They sat there until they died. 
and only the generation that was under 20 and Caleb and um, Caleb and jo uh, Joshua and Caleb got to go in because the others just didn't believe. So let's look at John 3:13. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So what event is this verse testifying? The descending and ascending of Jesus from heaven and back to our heaven. Okay, so you will see with the resurrection that he goes up and he comes down. So do you remember the story of Moses with the brazen serpent on the cross and how this is an analogy for Christ? So let's look at 314. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. All right, so he's telling Nicodemus something, and Nicodemus, again, is not going to understand. Uh, the Israelites, uh, everything that happened to them was to edify us, to be able to show us a pattern of things to come. So in the desert, they were dying because of poisonous snakes in the Old Testament. And Moses prayed, and God told him to make an image of a serpent and put it on a cross. And if the people would look unto it, that they would not die. So I think that serpent was probably sin on that cross. That sin's going to go on the cross. And if you just look at it, Jesus is going to become sin, and that's what it says. It says Jesus becomes our Redeemer. He became sin so that even though he knew no sin, so that we wouldn't have to have the penalty for sin. So this is a visualization of the Old Testament picture for Jesus dying on the cross, and it's in Numbers 2.19. So how magnificent is, is it for that? But at this point, Nicodemus hadn't, hadn't put all these pieces to this um, New and Old Testament prophecies together. So let's look at John 3.15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <laughs> so why did Jesus come to, to earth? To give everlasting life. To give eternal life. Amen. Er, yeah. Yes. Everlasting, eternal. <laughs> eternal life. So let's look at John 3.16. For God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There it is again. Eternal life, everlasting life. So why would God sacrifice his Son? Why would he do that? <laughs> God so that loved us so much, yeah. To give us everlasting life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he loved us so much that he wanted us to be redeemed. And and he was going to pay the price for it. So we have been bought with a price. So John three seventeen. For God sent not his son into this world to condemn the world, but that he would but that the world through him might be saved. Look at that. Look at that. He didn't bring condemnation. He brought salvation. Wow. Not condemnation. So if you're sitting there condemning yourself, stop it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just open your heart to salvation. And if, you're, if your loved one is coming up next to you and trying to comfort you, and you go right back into those same patterns over and over again, stop it. Just receive the comfort. It's from God. Receive the comfort. You do not need to be in uh, defeating shame, guilt, condemnation any longer. Uh, and let's look at John 3.18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Amen. So what do we have to do to not be condemned? Believe. Amen. <laughs> but he that believeth not is condemned already. So if I don't believe, then I'm just naturally in this flesh-like thing and I'm just rehearsing nonsense. Because he hath not believed in the name of the 
only begotten Son of God. Yeah, so there's a belief in the name of Jesus that's going to set me free. So let's look at John 3.19. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Okay, so if I don't want to believe, if I refuse to believe, if I'm walking in that condemnation, if I'm condemning myself, if I'm wallowing in depression and self-pity, and I'm refusing the comfort of God, there may be something bigger in my life, some sort of darkness, that's some sort of lie that's that's got me oppressed, that's holding me back. So what I started doing in my life, Will, is I just started writing out scriptures. Um, I probably, by the time I got done, had 40 notebooks. <laughs> I just wrote scriptures. I was crazy in my head, so I could turn on scriptures and listen to them. I could turn on preaching and listen to it. I could sit down and write scriptures. I could pray scriptures. I could write them on three-by-five cards and tie them around my neck. I could write these messages, these lessons. I could teach Sunday school, and I was fine. But if I thought my own thoughts, I was crazy. (laughs) And so I did this year after year, three to five hours a day, probably 300 days a year. So that's probably 1,000 hours a year for 30 years. That's 30,000 hours of Bible study. And I still cannot think my own thoughts uh, if they're condemning. I have to take every thought captive to the Word of God and tear down the stronghold. Is this going to edify me? Is this going to build me up? Or is this in unbelief? Do I not believe that God knows what He's doing with me and that He's bringing about an expected end? And I had to learn to, to talk to myself differently. I had to learn to receive the light of God's Word by putting it on my heart and getting it before the frontlets of my eyes. So let's look at John 3.20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. All right, so an evil person will not come to the light. They'll not want to, to read their Bible. They'll not understand that it's the answer for them. They'll not understand that this is the thing that's going to bring me the freedom that I seek. So John 3.21. But he that doeth trust truth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought wrought or right in in God. Yes. So if... I am struggling with my unbelief. If I'm laying my unbelief on the altar, it's not that it's not there. It's that I'm choosing to believe in the face of unbelief. I'm just saying, God, I'm just coming pitiful, full of shame, full of dirt, you know, because if your baby throws up and it's all over it, you're not going to leave that baby lay there. You're going to take it and you're going to love it and you're going to clean it up. And so you're that's the way God is with me. He just keeps coming in my filth and cleaning me up. As I come to him, as I cry out to him, he comes and gets me and he brings me truth, which is light, and he makes himself known to me as I just keep coming. But my job, Will, is to just keep coming to the Lord and just saying, here I am. Dirt and all, here I am. But that's not my uh, first response. My first response is I need to hide. I I don't want anybody to see this. This is too yucky. (laughs) And so I have to recognize that that's what I'm telling myself and say, no, no, 
that's backwards. That's unbelief. I'm going to believe that that God's got this. That He can heal this. That He can bring glory out of shame. That He can that He can bring uh, beauty out of ashes. That He can that He can redeem. That He can restore. That He can manifest Himself to Him. But I have to do my part to come to Him. So let's look at John three twenty two. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there. He tarried, tarried, tarried with them and baptized. Huh. So okay, he's he's. Where did they go? They went to Judea. And what are they going to be doing? Baptizing. Well, look at that. So what was John the Baptist still doing? And John also was baptizing in Anon, near to Salem, <laughs> because they because there was much water there, and they came. And we're baptized. Okay, so John the Baptist is there. So we're now we've switched topics. We're moving into John the Baptist. Uh, so let's look at John three twenty four. For John was not yet cast into prison. Okay, so when um, he died at the end of his life, that's that's where he died was in prison. Um, so what will happen to John the Baptist in the end? He'll. Be cast into prison. Yes, and he's got some questions for Jesus coming along about, okay, now this don't look like goodness. This doesn't look like what you called me to do. I thought I was <laughs> – and and yet this was Jesus. And so we're going to see as we go through John that John the Baptist was greater than any other uh, that had been born before. And yet there was things in his life that didn't look right. He was cast into prison. He was not set on a palace in a, on a throne. So let's look at John 3.25. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jew about purifying so what was the question? About purifying? Yes. Yeah, so uh, what were they saying to John in John 3.26? And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptism, the same baptize, baptizes, and all men come to him. Yeah, so they're a little worried. They're like, John, people are going to that rabbi. You know, they're going to Jesus now. But it, let's see, is John going to be jealous about this? John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Yeah, so a man can't receive anything that's not been given to him, so he's not the least bit jealous about it. He's like, uh, that's, that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with myself. I don't need to be the greatest. So let's look at John three twenty eight. Ye yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Okay. So he's telling them, I'm not the Messiah. I'm, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. I'm the one that was to bear witness of him. I'm the one that was to come before him. Now let's look at John three twenty nine. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Hmm. So what picture does John use to express his feelings towards Jesus? The bridegroom? Yeah, he pictures Jesus as a bridegroom and him as the friend of the best man of mm -hmm. the bridegroom. So he's not jealous at all that he's best friends there. Right. So how about that? 
So let's look at John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Well, look at that. So John says, I'm only here for him. I'm just kind of passing through. So now this is what John is saying. So when we come to Jesus, our self-will must decrease so that the will of God may increase in our hearts. So I want you to start recognizing the things that are of yourself, of, of you pushing to try to fix, manage, and control things, and those things that you're just like yielding to the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, I, I've done all I can do. The rest is up to you. And just releasing things to the Lord. So let's look at John 3, 31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earthly is earthly and speaketh of earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Hmm. So who is John referring to that is come from above? Jesus. And who's who's from the earth? John. Yeah. So he's like, okay, but he came from heaven, so he's above everything. Now let's look at John three thirty two. And what he has seen and heard that he testified, and no man receiveth his testimony. Hmm. Okay. Had no man received Jesus' testimony? Up to the point in his ministry, it could have been true. Yeah, yeah. So nobody knew, quite knew who he was yet. They hadn't received him as knowing that he was the Messiah. So let's look at John three thirty three. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. Hmm. So if you receive the testimony of Jesus, then you're going to say, yes, my God is true. It is true that I need a Savior. That I, And you're going to start agreeing with the things that the Lord, the Word of God says about us. You're going to agree that, that you're adopted into the family, that you've been bought with a price, um, that you're a child of God, that you're no longer an orphan, <laughs> that, that, that you have a Heavenly Father, that you can call on to Him. You're going to believe a lot of things. You're going to stop rehearsing those things that other people might have spoke of you that are untrue. So let's look at John 3.34. For he whom God has sent speaketh the word of God, for God hath giveth not the spirit of measures unto him. So who did God send? 34. Jesus. Yeah, and does God limit his spirit just on Jesus? No. He gave him his spirit without measure. Measures. Yeah. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. So it's like, pour it out, Lord, pour it out. And But I've got to grow up enough. See, I think the Lord gives me the Holy Spirit in a seed form. And as it grows, I mature. Because I'm not the same person I was 30-some years ago. I have matured. I have worked my way through a lot of things. I have had to, everything that I have been double-minded about, wishy-washy, I want it, I don't want it, it's true, it's false, maybe it's this way, maybe it's everything that has caused confusion in my life, I've had to lay it aside, lay it on the altar, and just praise God until it become clear. I've just had to seek Him and and wait for those answers to come. So John 3.35. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into His hand. Hmm. So what does this verse confirm? That God loves Jesus and gave Him all things. Amen. Amen. Now let's look at this final verse in chapter 3. 
He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abided on him. Wow. So what's the two blessings if we believe in the Savior? Everlasting life? Yeah. That's the blessing. Hmm. And now, what two things do we receive if we believe not? Uh, the wrath of God. Yeah, we will, we will not, not see, see life. life. Wow. So I think if I don't see life, that means I'm abiding in death. I'm abiding my anxiety, my fear, my worry, my depression, my self-pity, my anger, my bitterness. My I'm abiding in death. That doesn't sound like life, does it? No. Uh, and so as I'm abiding in these things, I'm abiding in wrath. I'm abiding in that. I'm not abiding in his love. I'm not abiding in his compassion, in his mercy, in his everlasting life. I'm not speaking to myself the correct way. I'm speaking to myself out of fear and not out of love. So I want you this day to talk to the Lord about those things in your life that are death. And anything that looks like, feels like, smells like death, move it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I see you, but you're not going to have me today. You're going to go on that altar. You're going to be burned up. And what's going to come out of that, what's going to come out of death is life. Just as you put a seed in the ground, it's got to die before it brings forth life. I want you to go into that ground, and I want you to die to that flesh, that one that's abiding in that deathly stuff and that darkness and that unbelief, and say, God, help me. Help me to believe. And not only just to believe, but to believe to have a full measure of the Spirit unto everlasting life. And this was The Rocker Recovery. And this is Will. And this was Angie. And we'll see you next time.